Hey everyone, Jacob here from That Time We Woke Up in a Podcast and Had to Explain Manga, our heated adventures overanalyzing manga we find interesting, otherwise known as the Over Manga Cast. But this week we're still not reading any manga. We're in week three of No Read November. Or is it week four? Well, timeline shenanigans aside, this week we watched the Hollywood live-action Ghost in the Shell, and we won't be talking about that. I swear. <laughs> anyway, enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Over Manga Cast. My name is Sam, and uh, as always, here at the top of the show, we start off with our familiarity with the uh, franchise we uh, watched this week. It's no read November. Uh, for me, Ghosts in the Shell, I mean, beyond knowing that it's a uh absolute classic i haven't had much of a chance to watch it i tried and then the place where i was watching it the audio got horribly desynced so i stopped like 15 minutes in and that's about it <laughs> for the original how about you jacob uh i actually have something to say this time uh it is a uh a shame of mine that i have not actually watched the original movie that all of the ghost in the shell stuff is um spawned from but I did watch a bunch of standalone complex on Adult Swim because I was right about at the right age for it when it was uh, being dubbed and released in the States. Um, I remember there was a particular episode that basically stuck with me uh, forever where I think it was Bato was telling... One of them was telling a story uh, about one of their experiences as a military sniper and it's this incredibly compelling and gripping story. It's framed as he's telling the story over a poker game. Uh, one of the other guys playing says, uh, uh, Oh, I saw a movie with a plot like that. You made that all up. Yeah, you're right. I fold. And then they flip over his hand and it turns out he had a royal flush, uh, which implied that the story was true too. And I don't know why, but like that, that particular episode of the show... Uh, the, the character drama, the setting, and just the execution of, like, the characters and the idea was so great. Um, and it's now we're here. It's something I've wanted to get more into. I just never really had the opportunity until now. Thank you, podcast. <laughs> How about you, Matt? Can, can we just be done? I hate this month. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We've got one more after this. Okay. Uh, Ghost in the Shell. I've seen the original movie, and like Jacob said, I've watched a lot of standalone complex it's been a while since I've interacted with the series, so uh, a lot of this movie felt familiar, but I couldn't place a finger on what, if anything, had changed. Is a better way to say that? And how about you, Jay? I'm trying to remember. I think, similarly, I had interacted with a lot of standalone complex, on and off, because it was on. So, a lot looked similar, but I can't recall being that familiar with the franchise or the plot or anything. Alright, so, diving into the uh, 2017 movie, we have the, the classic opening for anything in, uh, for anything of the cyberpunk genre, which is, it is the future, people have cybernetic augmentations, what is a man? Honestly, this is the part where we make a joke about it doesn't get any more subtle than that, and to some extent that's true, but... It was it was decently um, effective with the um, way that it was like portraying the like loss of humanity. One little thing that like my initial first pass at it was they have uh, the major keep her organic brain. It wasn't a cyber brain, 
And my immediate thought is, that's a fine change. That doesn't really matter that much, but later on it will actually come up as like, that's actually a bit of a mistake. That That's an adaptational change I don't like because it goes against... It makes one of her lines kind of feel unjustified and whiny, where it's supposed to actually be, like, tragic and meaningful. Yeah, because mm -hmm. how they change it, which I might be mistaken, so at me in the comments, um, they have it so that in the movie, it's a fully human brain that's kind of hooked up into a control pilot, where if I remember correctly, a cyber brain in Ghost of the Shell is a human brain that has been, like, ship of theseus into a robotic component. Like, they replace it piece by piece yeah. until it's, like... I think there's a maximum amount you can have cyberized, too. I think it's, like, 80% or something. Because there's still always a chunk of brain in there, but... Yeah, and... Most of it's been made into circuitry or something. But, uh, no, in this, she's just got her fully human brain uh, placed inside of the shell. Uh, and... We open up with the scene of the cyber body being created, uh, you know, all the classic uh, rebirth imagery in that, and... This facility is horribly inefficient. There are <laughs> yeah. so many needlessly long tubes. <laughs> no, we need to get in the birthing canal imagery and the being reborn into a new form or whatever. So could we just move the patient on some kind of wheeled gurney? No, we're going to completely turn off gravity to float her from one empty warehouse to another. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the Major wakes up after the procedure and uh, has to acclimate to the new cyber body where we are uh, introduced uh, both to the Major and to uh, her designer, Dr. I believe that's pronounced Ule, uh, who is helping her through the initial trauma of waking up in an entirely new form. The Major, uh, very, very confused, uh, wondering what's happened, and uh, the doctor reveals that, oh yes, um, you were on a refugee boat, and uh, it capsized in the harbor, and, you're the, and we could only save your brain. Everyone else died. The boat was specifically attacked by terrorists. And right. Sunk. Uh, and sunk. Uh, Which is very convenient that she now works for an anti-terrorist organization in the government. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> revenge. All revenge. of your family's dead. Don't look for them. Also, you need to keep taking these uh, medications that you inject directly into, like the base of your skull, so that uh, definitely so that the organic brain doesn't reject the cybernetic body. It's absolutely not a memory suppressant. Don't worry about it. I could see. I understand your skepticism, but I mean, I feel based on like organ transplants, that's pretty standard. Well, that's, that's kind of the nice thing about it, where there is that sort of, like, this is all technically plausible. Like, it's only genre savviness that's going to be the reason you catch these sorts of things. The world that we get immersed in immediately afterward, it is perfectly reasonable that this is her origin story. Because uh, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. we immediately dive into them on a mission where she does her thing the Major always has to do, where she takes off all her clothes and jumps off a building, because... <laughs> And turns yeah. invisible. <laughs> Despite the fact her boss says, do not jump off the building. <laughs> don't, don't go in. You're not authorized to go in. Why are you? Okay, she's going in. And now I'm invisible. I and must it's, jump. It's really I cool. I must jump. <laughs> we, gotta, we gotta do a cool action scene. I will say. We have to is... have the imagery of her diving into the city and being absorbed by it. Uh, yeah, there's that. I will say there is something that I really liked, and I honestly respect the movie for this because it doesn't beat you over the head with this. It never even says it out loud, despite how clear it is. 
there is a very strong uh, idea that the Major sees herself as nothing but a robot and therefore expendable. It's okay if she gets permanently damaged because they can just make another. Like, she has that perception of herself. This is actually a bit where the whole, the fact that she still has her organic brain kind of causes a bit of a narrative problem because when she starts whinging about that, like, you are still, your brain is still fully human and organic, so it's not like you are, like, completely replaceable because that brain is your original organic brain, but they do a good job of weaving that into the story and expressing that as a major part of her character arc where she learns to have a sense of self-preservation, almost. She's going after, um, uh, some terrorists that are attacking a meeting between a representative of uh, Henka Robotics and, I don't know, some uh, diplomats. He's, he's yeah. the, the leader. The president of Africa. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to be fair, I believe it's the president of the African okay, delegation or something. Some yes, sort of the federation. African Federation, which does exist. It, yeah, no, it does. <laughs> it, it just has more power in the future. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, some terrorists show up and start attacking, and... Uh, we have some pretty good, uh, creepy, uh, visual effects with... The freaking Geisha robot was incredibly, mm -hmm. in, like, like, it was creepy intentionally and really built tension into, uh, an otherwise relatively straightforward gunfight scene. Except, you know, the protagonist was invisible. That's sort of the gimmick of it otherwise. Yeah. It's one of those, one of those concepts that I actually wouldn't mind in the far distant future of actually existing. <laughs> <laughs> Robotic geishas, you're right. I would also like that. <laughs> uh, so the uh, robo geisha, after doing some uh, grudge moves up a wall, uh, hacks into a man's brain and kills him. Uh, but then the major takes out the, the robot. Well, no, it does a weird thing where it, like, uses a child's voice to go, like, please, no, don't shoot, I'm scared! And the Major hesitates for a second and then just goes, unauthorized use of Hanuk... Oh, no, it's, um, Kuzu, the... Kuze, the... He does his, like, spiel of, like, interacting with Hanako Robotics is tantamount to siding with the enemy or something. Yeah, something it, it's like, if, if you cooperate with Hanako Robotics, you will be destroyed. Yeah. I believe it's the actual, uh, is the first. And then Major shoots it four times in the head before it can yeah. pull a gun on her. Mm. And it's just like, oh, okay, cool. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, police in the, in the dystopic cyber future, uh, moments of, yes, that person was pulling a gun, but you kind of shot from the hip there, buddy. <laughs> that happens multiple times. Which is, that's the setting. Like, that's, like, it's, it's doing that on purpose, mm -hmm. but can't not point it out. Indeed. So, now that the Major's gone and cleaned up the, the scene, that's when the rest of the backup arrives. Real funny scene where she turns invisible in front of the backup who has arrived, and then bumps past them to leave the door, and they look around like, what the hell was that? As if the person <laughs> they saw disappear just teleported, and that's what they were expecting to happen. Who knows? Maybe, maybe, they, maybe Section 9 can teleport. We don't know. Maybe. Or maybe they were expecting her not to just go invisible just at that. It's like, like walk through us. We already know you're... They're like, holy shit, is that Scarlett Johansson? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, after, uh, after this incident, um, the Major goes in for some repairs, has suffered a minor wound on her arm. And we have more interactions with the good doctor. I actually like the doctor. She's very, very insistent that, uh, no, you 
you have your human brain, you have a fully cybernetic body, but you have your human brain that you still have your soul that still makes you a human. Mm -hmm. And you need to not consider yourself to be just a, an object. You are a person. And Major's like, no. <laughs> no, no, I have to be angsty. I, I, I'm, I'm done. Ha I'm having glitches. Oh, what do you mean by glitches? Well, I mean audio, audio visual hallucinations. Oh, that doesn't sound good for someone who's armed to deal with problems. Yeah, yeah. we're going to have to look into that. Uh, another... just, just keep taking your meds. Ignore them. <laughs> Another another uh, good bit is um, I like the um, again this is one where it's like it's painfully obvious if you manage to miss this you're not paying attention but the sort of like motherly vibes of the doctor without ever out loud saying you're like a mother to me or I see you as a daughter or anything like ham fisted mm -hmm. like that uh, it was nice that a Hollywood movie that's an adaptation of a well known like very cerebral story, had the restraint not to just say everything out loud. <laughs> yeah. I was genuinely expecting uh, it not to have that level of restraint. <laughs> so uh, they go into their briefing about what happened, and I, I think it's here where uh, the Major has her first interaction with uh, Cutter. I think he's like the CEO of Hanker Robotics, or he's, yeah. he's some big... Big shot. In he's that some company. corpo that really shouldn't be dealing with a police agency the way he's dealing, but he does because it's a cyberpunk setting. It's a cyberpunk yeah. setting where the corporations are in bed with the authorities. Yeah, and oh, but also you know the major. She's uh, she's uh, something that we at Hanko created. She's one of our assets. You can't uh, have her risking herself uh, so recklessly. And he's like chewing out the head of Section Nine, <laughs> and, then the, and he's just like. Dude, I told her not to go in. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's the long-suffering head of Section Nine, who's just kind of there, like, "My dude, I'm doing my job. I don't know what you want from me." Poor Chief Aramaki, he's just getting yelled at from all sides constantly. He's just like, "I'm an old man. Like, I please." <laughs> I'm gonna have a cool action scene later where they cut around my face constantly. Just let me have that. <laughs> <laughs> we can't let it. We can't have it be too obvious. We had a stunt double, okay? <laughs> Or when they don't have a stunt double, they definitely cut around the fact that it's an old man getting out of a car <laughs> very quickly, yeah. <laughs> uh, but well. that's that's a little bit later. Um, as for right now, they're going to continue the investigation into what happened. Um, because we, uh, this, we, this wasn't an isolated incident. Like, three other simultaneous attacks happened, killing high-level Henka scientists. Mm -hmm. And we got an ultimatum from uh, Spooky Hoodie Man. Yep, I love. I love that he is. He like his his cyber depiction has a hoodie. Yeah, <laughs> he lo he looks like Hacker Man. So anyway, because this is a weird cyberpunk movie, uh, they've got the dead body of the geisha. Did we ever get established? Is the geisha just purely a robot? Or yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. So she's going to cyber dive into the geisha's brain, but it's been deactivated, so it. Yeah. It's died the way a robot can die. Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, they're trying... It's non-functioning anymore, and she's basically going through the CPU. Yeah. They're trying to figure out how it was corrupted, and uh, it's going to take, like, days to do that safely, and the Major's like, we don't have days. I, I, I'm deep diving in. I love this, like, hey, we need to shove this exposition in here. No, you can't deep dive. When you deep dive, you can't be encrypted. That means you're vulnerable to attacks. Like, oh, it sounds like you would never want to do this. Then. <laughs> uh, we also have to we also have to show the uh, the one uh, scientist who's doing the autopsy smoking because 
I'm guessing that's something from the anime movie. <laughs> they, they focus a lot on this woman smoking mm -hmm. for it to never pay off in any way. So it, it's just interesting this day and age you spend so much time on a character like lighting up a cigarette. Yeah, and, and then, then immediately put a glass of whiskey. <laughs> well, I guess the only reason you notice it is because it's nowadays. That used to be normal. Yeah, back in the six years ago of 2017, as I date the episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we so, are now in the cyberpunk future. You're welcome. I don't even have cyber hands. God damn it. <laughs> but um, as the major deep dives into the into the robot, we get you know cool cyber deep dive. Uh, visualization, you know, uh, dropping into the into the network, whatever. And as she's going through the data, uh, she finds Spooky Hoodie Man, <laughs> who is still in there. I think I'm not entirely sure how Kuze's in I, there. They have they it's... have a throwaway line that he might have left traps in there. So I think yeah. he left a copy of his. He left it. Yeah, because all uh, she yeah, says yeah. is he repeats the ultimatum, and then she goes flying through the cyber world and gets grabbed by a bunch of grabbing yeah. hands. Yeah, so I think that's him just, that he left a trap, it's him activating a phrase, and then she gets attacked by millions of copies of him and is being drowned, and then Scarlett Johansson does some amazing acting on the table where she's just constantly, like, rigid posing. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so they have to uh, force pull her out of the uh, deep dive. Yeah, Bato's just like, we need to get her out of here. He's like, I need time to disconnect her safely. We don't have time. And then pulls the plug but off screen. You hear, okay, do it now. I'm like, okay. No, she says now before he pulls the plug. Yeah, yeah. But it's just off screen too. Yeah, it's like it's off. Like there's not like a cut to her. It's happening all simultaneously, so it feels like her yelling that is irrelevant. Yeah, but. Uh, after that is done, in all of that chaos, she did manage to get a ping on a on a Kuze's location, a uh, nightclub run by the Yakuza. Uh, so her and Bato immediately head out to go and uh, deal with that. But first, we have to feed the dogs on the way. I love the dogs! Because we have to establish Bato's humanity. <laughs> Bato has five stray dogs he takes care of. One of them is a very fat beagle who is the only one who shows up later. Uh, we all assume he ate the other dogs to gain their power. You were late. <laughs> you stopped feeding me, so I ate my brothers. I said very chubby beagle. I want to give him the pets. I have consumed their power. Bato, I think you're feeding the beagle too much. <laughs> How could you say no to that face? Very easily. <laughs> you probably should have. That, that, beagle, that beagle was on the edge of being overweight. That be beagle needs a here now. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, they go to a Yakuza bar, and it's it's fun set dressing. It's essentially any time you go to a cyberpunk bar, though, it's way too much violence, way too much alcohol, way too much sexy ladies. Like, yeah, it's, you're right. Never <laughs> that last thing. Never true. Never <laughs> enough. Never an enough. accurate amount of sexy ladies. <laughs> holographic strippers. Holographic fights. I swear. I swear the. The holographic fight that was playing was just two dudes kneeing each other in the balls over yeah. I was just like, is this entertainment? I, I legit thought that was supposed to be sexy men, but then it was clear it was a fight later on, but I thought, it's like, oh, this is an equal opportunity, Yakuza Bar. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> like, they definitely don't want Scarlett Johansson here. Uh, yeah, because uh, she and Bato are going in 
separately to like I guess do a two pronged attack, and they've got their like mind comms going. Yeah, th this for is telepathy. A, yeah, this is a cool bit where like this is actually something from the Ghost in the Shell anime universe where they have um, uh, they they can radio communicate just with their minds. It means that they can ADR all the dialogue and don't have to worry about <laughs> on, any of the onset <laughs> sounds that are going on. It's so easy for the editing. We're now going to talk only in our heads. That will be convenient. Look, <laughs> it's both cool and convenient. So you know what? Win-win. <laughs> uh, but the major is... Uh, kidnapped by no, the... No, no, she's hassled by some Yakuza, and then they're... What they, does she do? They just start hassling her because yeah. she's a woman. And hey, then pretty ba lady. Then Bato's getting hassled by the bartender, because both of them know they don't belong here, and then simultaneously they decide to blow their cover. It's real convenient that this happens when it does, but they both just go, okay, now we're fighting with guns. And well, they're trying to torture the... who they assume correctly is a cop... And she kicks somebody through the door, and Bato's I, like, oh, I guess we're right, doing this. I forgot. Time to go out. Just, I forgot just, they taser Scarlett Johansson into pole dancing. They make her, da they make for like, her dance. For like five minutes. And then she's like, I'm not built to dance. I'm built to fight. Proceeds what? to dance Proceeds fight. to pole dance fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's it, the, the fun bit and one of the uh, best examples of the you were technically right to shoot that guy, but boy, is that some cyberpunk policing. Uh, Bato sees someone fall out the door, a bunch of people start coming over, and Bato shoots the two guys who are pulling guns on him, and then, before even looking, turns around and shoots the bartender. The bartender was clearly pulling a rifle out from under the bar, but, like, Bato didn't see that! I didn't see it! I was like, what the bartender do? <laughs> this is the movie equivalent of planting a knife on somebody. <laughs> What did cyberpunk Danny Trejo ever do to you? <laughs> Gave him a 40 when he asked for a beer, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, after, you know, shooting up uh, the various Yakuza in the nightclub, they head deeper into the bowels of the facility. And um, it turns out uh, the Major's been kind of keeping down how much her um, hallucinations have actually picked up since she got counterhacked. And she has a very vivid hallucination in the basement. Of, like, a burning uh, pagoda. Yeah, yeah. And then she sees someone that she thinks is Kuzu, and then fires multiple shots at it, only for Bato to come up and go, like, what are you doing? And they turn around to see she has shot a bunch of gas canisters that appear to be, like, a makeshift bomb. And he's just like, oh, no! And then... There was also a, um, uh, a timer that goes off in addition to that. It's convenient the bomb was going to go off just anyway, as, she, yeah. as she was shooting, yeah. Uh, so Major manages to push Bato back enough that he doesn't die in the explosion, uh, but his eyes get fucked up. He, he gets the cool cyber eyes that I could have sworn he had. Oh, wait, now it makes sense. <laughs> Again, I, I've only seen Unchunka's standalone complex, so I hadn't seen Bato before he had the, the funky eyes. And, uh, with that, the Major has been heavily damaged and needs to go in for repairs, and Cutter is pissed off, because why are you risking our asset like this? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we get another scene of, of Cutter berating the poor Section 9 chief, who's just here like, look, what do you want me to do? Uh, and then we get my favorite scene, where, because uh, uh, Kuzu's still killing Hanako executives, and... They find out the executives he's specifically killing are all tied to a certain project. In the, so it's not just against Hanako as a whole, it's a specific project. Yeah. 
Yeah, Project 2571, I think it was. Uh, because he goes and kills uh, the, the doctor. The do- the well, he the kills smoking the smoking one. The, the smoking doctor. doctor. Rips yeah. her eyes off. Yeah, yeah. yeah she's got cyber eyes. But luckily, she'd been researching this and palmed the memory card. But she palms the memory card in front, in of, front of him. Yeah, and I'm surprised like it's there when they're like, so, investigating the scene, and I'm like. Knowing what we know of the whole movie, maybe that's on purpose, because he seems he to... He wants w- her to find that information. But he doesn't know the Major is going to find that information. It's real lucky that no one else checked this dead woman's hand until the Major shows up to find the Doctor was murdered. Well, she, yeah. is, she is the highest-ranking field operative on this case, so I guess that the assumption is that she would be the one to I suppose. investigate the body. It's one of those ones where it's like, it's a... It's a guess, like, it's an educated guess that turns out to be right because the plot needed it to be, but that could go wrong very easily. My guess is that uh, this was data pulled from the Geisha, and it's, like, the list of people who were on Project 2571. So, presumably, Kuze would already have this hit list. He's He knows this information already. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care if that is left behind. Yeah. He's just going down the list, taking out the people who we find yeah. out wronged him. Yeah. But, um... He's also not very stable, so... We then have my favorite scene, though. When Kuzo is trying to kill one of the executives who's in a car... Dr. Ule, yeah. Yeah. He hacks into two garbage men... Yes. ...who then crash their garbage truck into the car. I'm like, oh, that's really smart. People who have, like, heavy machinery, you can just take over for a quick hit and run. They don't need to worry about escaping because they're they're hacked it's not your body but then the one guy comes out with his garbage man issued shotgun uzi they all have bullpup uzis <laughs> those are the only guns in the far future and we find out later his garbage man issued stealth camouflage poncho <laughs> <laughs> look i believe i I no, it's got to be municipal issue because it kept glitching out and failing. <laughs> yeah because Look, it's dangerous out there in cyberpunk whatever city this was. I mean, not for nothing. Obviously, these were given by Kuzo to these people whilst they were hacked. uh, And they just, you know, were left to go on their day until they got activated. And another, to be fair, moment, it's a really freaking good action scene. Uh, In all honesty, there were were a couple of scenes where I feel like the darkness was uh, a little too great and it was hard to tell what was going on. There were a couple of places where... Maybe the editing wasn't so good, or they were editing around stuff that didn't work. But most of the action scenes in this movie were were ranged from solid to really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, so Bato and the Major and a couple of other Section 9 guys are deployed to go and uh, uh, rescue Dr. Ule. Cool street gunfight. Cool mm-hmm. street gunfight happens. Uh, they kill one of the hacked sanitation workers... Uh, the other one flees with his camo uh, poncho. Major chases him down. We have the fight scene in the ankle-deep water pool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there for some reason. So, this is really cool in the anime movie. There's functional problems with having a stunted fight scene in ankle-deep water where one of your people needs to be invisible. Mm-hmm. And I get you did it because it's Ghost in the Shell. And we have to get the iconic scene in. It didn't look great. It, it, did, it also didn't help that they kept slow-moing every time the worker got flipped by the major. And, I like, think it would have been so much better if they... Because, like, it, it would have been, it would have been okay, we checked this box competently, but they kept doing a bunch of slow-mo that... 
it, and, it just and, didn't work. Yeah. Was really the thing. And they included this weird, like, crystal and tinkling noise. Oh, whenever oh, the water oh, was God, splashing. That. That's right. So we thought it was, like, the sound effect of water splashing, but then it was also, like, chimes from, like, a temple. So it's, like, maybe the major's having an audio hallucination but like I, oh i guess that that's a reasonable explanation because i just i didn't know why that was included it, it was weird it's weird they don't bring it up later so i guess that's the only explanation i can like, think of if they, it, like even if they like at the end of the movie when they're at the place where the final action scene happens we'll get to it like even if she like picked up a wind chime or something that could explain what that that's what that was i think it was just a poor choice of yeah. sound effect really it probably was but like the, <sighs> anyway uh the major manages to capture the guy and takes she, him to the interrogation cube. Well, she's, she's beating the, the bejesus out of him when Fato shows up and, no, we need him alive, pulls her off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they shove him in the interrogation cube. <laughs> <laughs> it is literally called the interrogation cube. It is a glass cube that you can remote into to create those, like, solid holograms they have. I'm not sure if they're supposed to be solid holograms. Because that's how it works in Dune, and it looks very similar to how it works in Dune as you, like, make, like, a 3D model out of, like, yeah. kinetic sand. Mm-hmm. But I can't tell if that's what's happening here. I, they they have hologram holograms that they walk through, but they never walk through the, so, the like... The, the chunky sand, ones? The, the chunky, chunky ones. ones, yeah. Uh, I, I don't instructions know. unclear, but it doesn't really matter. Um, the point is they have, um, they have the prisoner... Uh, chained up with a big padlock on his neck. This will become relevant later. Attached to a rope leading up to the top of the cell. In the plexiglass cube that you can only hologram into. But regardless... It's a choice. (laughs) Regardless, they find out the whole deal with him is he thinks he just wants... He did it because his child has piano lessons and he couldn't pay for it anymore, so he's doing something. And then the major just goes, you live alone in an apartment you have for ten years. This isn't real memories you have. What? I want to see my daughter. You don't have a daughter. What? I want to see my daughter. She uh, shows an image of, like, she shows a picture, and it's like of a dude with a beard. Yeah, that's my daughter. Yeah. Yeah. This guy has been uh, cybernetically gaslit with a uh, set of implanted memories. And so he's freaking out. Quite for, quite uh, reasonably, you might say. <laughs> yeah, and uh, again, this is another one of the subtle moments where, uh, boy, I'm so glad that they didn't hammer this into the into your head about uh, what this scene meant, mm-hmm. or what it means for the major. <laughs> yeah, they they just let that play quietly as you should. It's okay. The major has a moment where she lets the audience know what she's thinking about it. Yeah, but that's uh, a little later though. Yeah, yeah. Kuze takes over the dude's body again and taunts them, even though there's not supposed to be any outside signal into here. What's going on? We have to trace the hack back to its original location. Major, talk to him. Keep him busy. But don't go into the interrogation cube. She She immediately goes into the interrogation cube. (laughs) Because she has self-preservation issues. Okay. Um, Yeah, no. The entire point of the interrogation cube, if you can hack into it, like is pointless. Yeah. <laughs> well, Kuse has a Kuse has a weird yeah. pseudo network thingy that he's got. So yeah, the point like, of, it's the it's point specifically of, aberrant that he's doing this. Yeah, the point of this narratively is that he has the capacity to do the impossible. Like it, like it's it presents like the only reason you'd have this if it is if it's unhackable. 
but the villain can hack it. It's supposed to elevate the villain. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, considering they justify this later with how he's, by explaining how he's actually doing it, I think it works well. But they, they backtrace it back to the original source and uh, send in the team to go... Oh, and before they send in the team, uh, this is why I mentioned that they have a padlock around the guy's neck to uh, keep him oh, in the interrogation right. cube. Oh, right. After Kruse is done talking through him and the guy's having his existential crisis, he jumps, tucks his legs, and bleh, hangs himself. <laughs> it's Breaks like... his own neck with the freaking... Uh, it's a giant padlock thing. Why would you have that? So typically, you keep the ability for prisoners to kill themselves away from them because you're keeping them alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very, very poorly designed. But yeah, they backtrace the hack and they bring back to where the location is from. And what Kuzu has done is he's got a bunch of human beings locked together in like a mental track so that it's impossible to actually track him because he's going through so many other people's brains. Yeah, and he also has the processing power of all those brains, and that's how he was able to hack the interrogation cube. He basically has a bunch of supercomputers wired up to uh, break through any kind of encryption or security he has to go up against. It's probably also how he got the list in the first place. Mm -hmm. And uh, during the break into this uh, house of horrors, uh, the major is captured by Kuze, and they have a they they have like a like a dialogue scene. The dialogue itself very uh, you know exciting and full of intrigue, but because they're both supposed to be like emotionally stunted cyber people, the line delivery is kind of flat. <laughs> And it's a lot of exposition, too. So it's five minutes of very emotionless people talking to each other. And, like, it's and, not and even, all it's not with these a... big revelations delivered like this. And you kill innocent people. They are not so innocent. And it's like, it's not that it's badly performed. They're well performed for the characters that they are. Mm -hmm. It's the choice of having these two characters play off of each other in this kind of emotional scene that's the issue. Like, I'd honestly prefer, like, some more impactful background music or something, just to undercut the fact that it feels, it sounds like nothing's going on. Even, because though, of, even though this is one of the most important scenes in the movie. This so, is the linchpin scene of the movie. Some could argue this was the climax of the movie halfway through. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, from this point forward, not to say that the movie's quality drops, but it basically goes from being a cyberpunk thriller into just being an action movie. I think to its benefit, but it's, you know, it's it's what it's trying to do. And again, I haven't seen the original Ghost in the Shell, so, you know, perhaps uh, they were able to better, uh, you know, continue this pacing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Kuze reveals that um, while the Major believes that she is the first and only fully cyberized human... Uh, he, he reveals that there have been many other failed experiments before her, and he is one of them. And All of this is revenge for people scooping brains and putting them into robot bodies that almost instantly kill them. Yep. Also, the drugs they're making you take are blocking your actual memories. <laughs> he yeah. says this after she notes a tattoo on his, like, piecemeal cyber body that is a burning pagoda... And that's when we actually get some emotion out of the Major. She's like, what is, what is that? What does that mean? You don't know what they are not telling you. Something, something. Correct. You would not know what they are not telling you. <laughs> <laughs> Ask 
ask the doctor. You can go now. I'm done. And then he leaves. <laughs> well, no, he, he goes to leave, and then Bato and the crew kick down the door, and they have another cool Uzi fight. Yeah, but he's but, not actually there, so it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. Well, yeah, and the, and the big thing is um, the... Uh, uh, like, when Bato shows up in the place where they've been having the conversation, he walks out, and Bato's like, what are you doing? Stop him! And she just kind of stands there for a minute, and then walks off, in, or, well, runs off in another direction. Oh no, the Major's gone rogue. Yep. Mm-hmm. She goes to confront Dr. Ule, and uh, the doctor reveals in there were 98 uh, failed experiments before the Major, all of whom died. Well, all of whom they presume died, except for Kuse. Mm-hmm. She was the only one that they were successfully able to get into a fully cyber body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that her memories were implanted, which the doctor had uh, had uh, uh, morally objected to, but did anyway because job. I, I do like the justification there. Like, I morally objected to it, but I did do it to you. <laughs> which, um... I understand <laughs> if you don't forgive me, because I did... Kind of screw you over. <laughs> and all this is wrapped in the fact that we get a scene where Cutter is telling Dr. Ouellette, um, the Major is now a liability. She's gotten too connected to Kuzu. She's doing things without our say-so. We can have a better puppet. Mm-hmm. Get rid of her. Yeah, We're decommissioning uh, her. There's, um, uh, there's a bit where uh, Cutter goes to Section 9 and like tries to mobilize them against the Major and they, uh, they pretty immediately, and I like this, because um, other than Bato, they don't have a lot of um, time to do stuff. They don't have, like, I don't even know most of their names. But they uh, they all basically immediately are like, oh, Cutter is as evil as we thought he might be. We're going to work with the Major to- under, the, under the table and be as slow in catching her as humanly possible. To be fair, what does happen, though, is um, we get the scene with Dr. Ouellette where she reveals all of that, and they're playing it up like she's going to decommission her. And Scarlett Johansson does her line where... Um, this has been a running theme in the movie, but uh, she's getting her like memories affected, and she's doing some work, and she just goes, Wait, are you going to kill me, aren't you? And the doctor's just like, sorry. It's what we gotta do. And she says like, I am Major Killian, I forget her last name, but, um, and she goes, I do not consent to this procedure, and the doctor just goes, we never needed your consent. Mm-hmm. Because she's been saying every time they do a medical procedure or anything, I am Major, blah blah blah, I consent to this procedure. And this is just the whole thing of like, you're a robot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that was a formality. But uh, it's all a ploy as uh, Dr. Ule gives her basically a placebo so the major does not die. Uh, and then I think I think the implication is that it's a different drug to uh, to counteract the memory suppressant because she does inject her with something. Yes. Yeah. Something. She, she like removes the. She doesn't. She because it's like there. There's a big spooky red vial of liquid that she swaps out for a less spooky orange vial of liquid. Also, the major did go there for repairs, and because she needed to be repaired after that fight. So yeah, and, yeah. Um. Did they give her a time frame for when she had to decommit? Immediately. Yeah. It was. It was that scene because. Well, okay, and and. It, it, we, we've sort of been going back and forth on the compliment uh, versus criticism of this movie. There is one moment which was kind of egregious where Cutter is like, you should be the one to do it. 
I object to doing this. I think she deserves to live because she's still a person. You should be the one to kill her. There is no reason. When you're worried, his his entire, Cutter's entire motivation is this person has expressed free will. They're a liability. They're not on board. We need to replace them. Mm-hmm. Hey, doctor, go ahead and do this. I express hesitation with this plan. I don't care. I'm trusting you fully to do this. <laughs> Which results in the scene that we mentioned where she swaps out the kill juice for the uh, something else juice. Yep. Uh, and then she does a scene where she opens the door and then throws herself at the guards outside. Because I think she's trying to play it off like the major has overpowered her and is yeah. escaping. But no, is watching. no one in the movie believes that. Well, well, the the big thing is, um, I think it's just to give the major like a moment to get out there. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Cause, like, because it's all a distraction for the for the guards. Because she knows that Cutter is going to see all of this. The other important thing is that uh, she gave the major an address. It's like this was this is your real past. Go there to learn more. Yeah. Oh, I missed that she gave her the address. That yeah, makes there the was next a, there was like a. There was, like, a, a chip that she was given. That makes the next scene make so much more sense. Okay. But, yeah, my favorite part about this is as she's just kind of standing there, Cutter looks through the operating window and just pulls a gun, holds it, or is just like, well, end of the line, and then shoots through the operating glass and kills the doctor and just goes, so the Major had a gun on her in that room. Why would that not be bulletproof glass? Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Cutter, choices were made in this scene. Cutter is an evil corpo CEO in a cyberpunk setting. He's shooting someone through oh, a he's glass He's overconfident, I well, guess. Shooting, shooting someone through a glass window uh, is the sort of uh, mm-hmm. imagery that you would kind of... Because, I mean, they even zoom in on the broken glass. Yeah, yeah. and they slow-mo the doctor falling to the ground. It's, it's a little overplayed, to be honest, but... Then we get the scene where Cutter goes to Section 9 and he's like, they just killed, the Major just killed Dr. Ouellette and has gone rogue. Probably something got hacked in her head and now she's, like, violent. violent. She's been contaminated. And that's when Section 9 goes, yeah, but we like the Major and we didn't really like the Doctor, so I guess we're siding with the terrorist. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> we like the Major, we didn't really like the Doctor, and we hate you. <laughs> So we're going to mobilize as slowly as possible until you get caught for your crimes and then we're going to mobilize on you. <laughs> I also like how the chief goes, okay, you know we're a police organization. We are we are uh, liable to the prime minister, not Hanka Robotics. He, he does that at least twice where it's like the, guy, the uh, cutter is trying to throw his weight around and he's like, cool. Outside we, your we jurisdiction. Have, we, we have some of your proprietary technology. That's why we let you in the door. We work for the Prime Minister. You can go now. <laughs> you sell us your weapons. You do not boss us around. <laughs> yep. And again, it's 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 great characterization for characters that don't ha- that by the necessity of the shape of the movie don't have a lot of screen time. It makes the uh it makes the chief have a lot of personality and it makes you really endeared to him. Yeah. Yeah. Then we get the scene where the major goes to the apartment, finds an old woman, and they kind of sit down and have tea for a surprisingly long time before the woman goes Wait a second. You, your <laughs> eyes seem vaguely familiar. <laughs> Hold on. Do you see that room covered in plastic tarps? That's where my dead daughter used to live. I've not moved on, so I just put tarps over everything. Yeah. My daughter ran away from home and uh, lived Joined in... an anarchist joined, uh, colony. She lived in the lawless zone and wrote manifestos about the dangers of technology. And 
then uh, they said that she, the police said that she took her own life, which doesn't make sense to me. She doesn't seem like the type to do that. Anyway, I'm, I'm sort of just venting my grief to a stranger, but thank you for listening. You do kind of remind me of her. <laughs> I realize I never asked your name, person I invited into my home. <laughs> I don't know who I am. I, I well, must you'll go. Come. My planet needs She me. literally just gets up and leaves, and it's only... <laughs> then the mom... Uh, it's, well, it's obviously her it's, it's, it's a real mom. Yeah. And she goes, wait, am I ever going to see you again? And she goes, yes. And then leaves <laughs> and walks <laughs> out. <laughs> it was a very weird scene, but it felt very Ghost in the Shell, so I'm not... Yeah, 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 I, I really like that scene. I it, really it, was, it was cool because it's like obviously a reunion of two people, but neither of them know that because yeah. of how fucked up the world is. And I do like that they never show the picture of, of, of the of air Matoka. quotes dead daughter because uh, why would you put someone in a cyber body that looks like their previous no, life? No, yeah, the major definitely doesn't look like... Anything like uh, what she used to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She now looks like Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, and so uh, the major leaves, contacts the chief, uh, but and... but because she's Hanukkah robotics technology, Cutter can just hear the mental communication going on. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, or no, I guess she she calls him, and that's what he can hear because they switch to mental communication when they realize they've been blacklisted, which happens immediately after the scene. So we're not getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I mean, like the big thing is. She wants him to know where she is so that uh, she can draw him out to take him down. I do find it interesting that uh, she only contacts the chief after she meets up with Bato. I think by accident, maybe on purpose, it's not super clear. I think... she, she swims through the bottom of the bay and then climbs up onto a boat and is like, oh hey, I didn't tell you to meet me here and Bato's just there. I think Bato was looking for her because she went rogue after that because she needed time to think. So she did the very ghost in the shell thing because she's completely cybernetic. She goes to sleep on the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and I, very much it's the case where she wasn't... like. She wasn't actively avoiding Bato, so it's like, yeah, you bumped into me. I I probably should have seen that coming. I'm not against this. And there's sort of a you know, are we cool moment that's that passes silently, and that's when Section Nine's like, okay, we're mobilizing against Cutter because he's an asshole. And more importantly, Cutter has sent assassins after each individual member, which. The director is the first one to get attacked, and he's sitting in a car. This is this is so badly shot out of necessity, and I still very much enjoyed this scene. It, it, it's it was a, a fun scene. But, again, the man playing this is a very old man, so when the action scene is required, people are attacking you, shoots through the window, you block it with your briefcase, you then have to get out of the car holding your bulletproof briefcase. He is struggling to stand up, and they quickly cut away to get around that. Yeah, <laughs> and with him, like, shooting down he's uh, got a, the assassins. My with... favorite part is three men attack him, and he's got a six-shooter revolver, and he kills all three of them, and then proceeds to empty out the remaining clip to show he had three bullets left as just bragging rights, I guess? Well, no, he Do not send rabbits to hunt a fox. Well, that, uh, and that's a cool line. No, he, sh- he shoots each of them twice. They're the spent shells. I don't know how guns work. <laughs> yeah, the, um, it's a revolver, so it doesn't eject the shell casings. It should. That'd be cool. We should make a type of gun that ejects shell casings instead of bullets. Because everyone has shell casings. What? It's more effective. 
This isn't Metal Gear Solid, Matt. No, that, that's uh, that's how the turrets in Portal work, is they use magnets to just throw the entire bullet. Oh. To explain why there were no shell casings in Portal 1, they just forgot to put it in. <laughs> they created an explanation. That sounds like Valve. Yeah, anyway. that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that, that's an aperture thing to do. <laughs> and a Valve thing to do. It's more efficient if we just shoot the entire bullet. Yeah. Uh... But uh, I do, uh, it's it's sort of funny because we have uh, the chief getting attacked. We have Bato getting snuck up on as he's just kind of chilling on a roof with his dog. My favorite part about this <laughs> is we get all of Section 9 getting approached by assassins. And then we get scenes of most of Section 9 <laughs> fighting off those assassins. We get brief fight scenes with each of the Section 9 characters all showing how that they are cool and competent and know what they're doing. And then Bato's... Scene got cut. <laughs> yeah, because they're sneaking up on him. They then cut to another guy. I think his name is Togusa. That's what I'm seeing here in the synopsis. I don't remember his name getting said. No, his name was said because I remember it from Standalone Complex. He, but yeah, but uh, he like he has this cool thing of like he's sitting in a restaurant and he sees guys in the mirror, so he like shoots behind him without looking and shoots two other guys, and it's really cool. And then we cut, and it's Bato in a car, and it's like. So we don't get to see him take out the baddies coming for him, okay? Which is, which is important because there was another character in that scene that we suspiciously never see again. The I, dog! I, yeah, so the fact that the beagle never shows up again in the movie, I think because he was killed in that scene... And then they didn't show want that to, scene. They didn't, want to, they didn't want to kill the beagle canonically. <laughs> which I am okay with. That beagle yeah. gets to uh, go on and be chubby, as, as far as we know. That being said, we don't see the other dogs, only the beagle. So the dog, the beagle did eat the other dogs. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, is, that is confirmed. Yes. That is canon. You stopped <laughs> feeding me, father. You were embarrassed by your robot eyes. Now we can be freaks of nature together. Slow, <laughs> slowly weeding out dogs off camera. <laughs> There's a running theme in this movie, I guess. Ghost in the Shell. A dog dies every 15 minutes, but we won't show it on camera. <laughs> so, um, the, uh, the major goes to the lawless zone, where she meets up with Kuze, and he's like, yes, this is where our anarchist cell was, and you are uh, Matoko Kusanagi, Instead of whatever fake name they gave you, Killian something. And uh, now that she's been off the memory suppressant meds, uh, she's recalling the scene of uh, the Hanka Robotics thugs coming and kidnapping her and all of her friends. Oh yeah, did we? I think we got established in the earlier scene where she visited her mom mm -hmm. that uh, her daughter went away to a far-left anti-authoritarian <laughs> compound. Oh yeah, because her mom, uh, the mom said uh, when it's like she was told that she committed suicide, it's like, I don't think she would do that. She was having so much fun writing her manifestos. <laughs> it's like Almost a direct quote. I, yeah, it's just like, Mom, you should have known that she was a terrorist. <laughs> <laughs> I think Mom knows and doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that uh, then we get uh, the big boss fight. We get we get the boss fight, uh, cool f boss fight against the tank, uh, the the one of the tanks from Ghost in the Shell, the big yeah. spider tank thingy. Cutter decides to take direct control because he has to do this himself. It's a it's a cool action scene. Honestly, us describing it beat for beat is uh, a waste of time. A yeah. waste of time. It's better to go watch the movie for yourself. It's definitely worth it. Um, 
But uh, Kuze dies in the battle. Um, the well, major he, he gets he gets critically damaged in the battle before uh, the major is able to destroy the tank, and he like like they flop down next to each other, and he's like, uh, "I'm gonna go upload my brain onto the internet now." Bye. And then he <laughs> and then his empty shell gets shot by a sniper. Yeah. I mean, this is this is supposed to be. It's like this is the cleanest ending you can get because he's. It, it's one of those ones where it's like he wasn't really. He wasn't evil per se, but he also did kill a bunch of people. So, like, he kind of has to face justice anyway. So they sort of, they sort of skirt around th that mess. I, I mean, to be fair, the first guy he murders was just in, like the financial guy for the product, yeah, who, and who, who had a four-year-old daughter he was going home to. Yeah, so. yeah. Like he's not, like he's not squeaky clean uh, under the best of circumstances. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a final, uh, so with the sniper down, I don't, I forget how. Oh right, Bato shows up and kills the sniper. Yeah, Bato is allowed to do something now. Yeah, yeah. he shoots down the he shoots down the helicopter they're sniping from, which was pretty rad. It was cool. Yeah, but uh, then the final scene of the movie happens, and I think this is a little ham-fisted to be it, honest. It is a little ham-fisted, <laughs> but I close, liked it. This because... is the closest they come to saying stuff out loud that's better left unsaid, and they don't they don't say it out loud. They just think it very loudly. Yeah, because because the chief uh, the chief goes to arrest Cutter on the various charges brought against him, and you know he's holding the gun on Cutter at, after a brief uh, quick draw match. And uh, using the mind comms uh, to the I major, do, I do like that he's like, uh, Major, do you have anything uh, uh, to say to Cutter? Uh, tell him it's justice. Bang, bang, bang. No, tell him it's justice, and he says that to Cutter, and it's like, now, Major, do I have your consent? Yes. <laughs> and then the chief guns um, Cutter down. In and his in his incredibly ostentatious office. Yeah, then Cutter spends five minutes falling into his koi pond. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a really dramatic death. Yeah, and then um, the movie ends with uh, the major going to see her mother. Oh, they meet at the graveyard. Yeah, she, over her own uh, yeah, she grave. Goes to, she goes to her own grave. Is is yeah. and where then, they meet. And then just... Symbology! Then hugs her mother and goes, You never need to come back here again. That grave just has dog ashes in it. <laughs> Matt added that second part. <laughs> no, that's where all the fine. dogs went. <laughs> actually, it might actually be the ashes from her original organic body yeah, her, because oh, they had to get rid of that oh yeah. yeah they would have had to have disposed of her uh, i guess maybe yeah they gave the ashes back after they scooped the brain meats out yeah cyberpunk <laughs> <laughs> okay so um i don't know if we can do favorite character favorite fight but uh favorite character at least uh i really like bato he's cool uh he's cool. he's supposed to be like the heart of of it because you know he's a he's a He's a cold, emotionless tool of the uh, of the government's uh, justice system. Except he's actually but he not. Eats the dogs. <laughs> except he's actually not. Like he he has some banter with the major regularly. Um, he feeds the dogs. He's got like a dry sense of humor, but a sense of humor. So he's like the most human, the one that uh, the major has a connection with. 
So And he really grounds everybody because a lot of people like turn to him. It's another case where there's like a lot of subtle characterization of the other members of Section 9 where they don't have a lot of screen time, but they use what they have well. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's like a sense that everyone like like when like physical direct support, but support in general will turn to Bato. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's uh he's my favorite character. And if we had to say favorite fight, the spider tank was cool. Yeah. Um I'll be different. Uh, I really like the Rocky. He, with the, like, six-shooter, that's really cool. He does a bunch of, like, weird nonsense with that. Uh, cutting the funny fact of an old man getting out of a car is, <laughs> turns out, harder to do. <laughs> yep. Um, the fact he speaks Japanese only and they don't translate it, it's just they intrinsically all know Japanese. Or maybe it's being... Well, I think it's, it's mentioned before because at the meeting, you know, regardless, with the African... The pre African president. The president of Africa. The president of Africa. Um, he casually um, mentions the fact that his, what, four-year-old daughter is now, like, fluent. Right? Yeah. Oh, fair. Yeah. You're right. So, in other words, as they become Every... more cyber-kinetic, like, language is just... You can, you can just look, you can just have information downloaded to yeah. the... Download a language pack. <laughs> fair. Fair, fair, fair. Uh, and then favorite fight, uh, I gotta go with um, that cool, like, glow stick fight in the completely dark tunnel where they've got these tasers that light up the scene. Oh yeah, that's when they were going that, That'd be a good place Why for did me. you have to take favorite character and favorite fight from me? <laughs> <laughs> because, Jacob, for once, you don't need to talk. <laughs> Damn. It's okay, Jacob. I left the beagle to be your favorite character. You can just say ditto. He is, now, he is now five dogs worth of dog. <laughs> that's a lot of dog. <laughs> about so do you have anything to add jake or? um uh, nothing other than uh well okay actually i do have some things to add so ha, i do get to talk well we um, can always edit you out and post <laughs> uh yeah specifically the reason i liked uh the chief is uh because uh as i mentioned a few times he uh does a lot with the scenes that he has the major is definitely the most developed character and she's really good she's a second favorite but um the chief the Chief has so much personality. Like, how done he is with Cutter all the time just made me love him instantly. Cutter, I'm reminding you, I work for the Prime Minister, not you. <laughs> I keep saying this. <laughs> you are too stupid to figure it out. I am a principal old man, and you're a corpo weirdo. <laughs> um, and then uh, the uh, I, the reason I like the glow stick fight uh, specifically was because there were a couple of other... Like, I mean, it's a cyberpunk movie. There's a lot of darkness. This is the scene where they used it really freaking well. The lighting was spectacular. Mm -hmm. Alright, and Jay? My favorite character? I would say they're pretty all equal. Major was the most prominent, but like I prefaced in the beginning, never, I don't know, never really got too involved in this type of media. And so protagonist just has the most exposure. Yeah. Sounds good. Okay. <sighs> I, I do have one thing I want to say about this movie. Go for it. I know I differ on Jacob on this opinion. I came away at the end of this movie wondering why you would watch this and not the original. Oh, no, that's... I, I agree. I liked this movie. I think it's a good movie. You should probably just watch the original, though, if it, you have to choose. It didn't feel like it did anything different, and it had some moments in it that I explicitly thought were worse. Yeah. So. Honestly, that's, that's fair. Like, I haven't seen the original, obviously, so I can't directly compare them, but I am 
dead certain that the original is more subtle than this. Because I complimented a few times for not saying things out loud. The rest but, of the time it does. But it's like, it did just become an action movie halfway through, and if the original doesn't do that, then it's already got this movie beat. <laughs> this movie also has a weird problem where it kind of peaks in the middle and then kind of just drifts off near the end. Yeah. It just oh. becomes action scenes in the last, like, third of it. Yeah. I mean, as a no-read November movie goes, great. This is yeah. probably... Beautiful. <laughs> we've watched good movies we've enjoyed, then we've watched this, and then we've watched Full Metal Alchemist. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> God. Don't remind me. Well, thankfully, we've only got one more of these to go, so... Thank you, everybody, once again for tuning into the OverMangaCast. As always, you can find us on all of your social medias, where we are at OverMangaCast. Uh, we're also on YouTube, where you can like, comment, and subscribe. Uh, tell us how bad our opinions are. Uh, those episodes go up on a two-week delay, so if you want our up-to-date stuff, you can head over to OverMangaCast.com, which also has a way to comment on individual episodes. Give us some recommendations for uh, live-action anime adaptations that aren't actually physically painful to watch please we need those they they must exist we can't find them <laughs> speaking of finding live action animes to watch uh we're finishing off this week with um you know for what we watch a relatively new release uh we're watching the live action knights of the zodiac 2023 fun all right <laughs> we'll see how that goes next week good night everybody Good night. Good night. Guys, we got through the whole episode without mentioning any of the discourse over Scarlett Johansson's casting. We did it! Jacob, that? please stop. Just stop. You're like this every time <laughs> we record. We have to cut out all of this nonsense every time. There's so much more. Oh, wait. Cut, 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 cut! cut, 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 cut!